Hi, this is Sarit Switzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 662 for the 29th of Elul in a regular year. Today, we are going to have one of those episodes that leaves us with a question. (laughs) So heads up for today, we're going to bring up a question and it's not going to have a resolution. We're going to be left hanging, pondering, but sometimes that's good because sometimes it's good to have questions. Questions allow us to really take the time to be disturbed about something. And when we're disturbed about something, our brain is occupied with it. And when our brain is occupied with Torah ideas, it's, and we start thinking about, you know, various possibilities and concerns or whatever, this is a good thing. This is a way for us to really engage in Torah study to the fullest ability to really channel our thinking capacities towards godly purposes. This is kind of like the basis of the Gemara. The Gemara is all based on these like question and answer kind of things. And a lot of Sikhas of the Rebbe and just many Jewish teachings often come with this idea of bringing up questions. The question sometimes is is more insightful sometimes than even the answers in a certain sense. So the answer sometimes can be like, a, you know, the answers obviously are important on a certain level, but really Judaism is more about questions than it is about answers. There's always questions. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about Judaism is that we're such a questioning religion, that we're never satisfied. We're, you know, it's like people say that Jews, the way they they answer a question is with another question, that kind of thing. So that brings us to today's episode. So what's the question that we're going to bring up in today's episode? So we'll understand it a little bit more when we get into the text. But the basic question that's going to be brought up is that we're going to be bringing in a teaching from the Arizal. The Arizal was a famous Kabbalist named Yitzhak Luria, who his Kabbalistic insights and his his the way that his rendition of Kabbalah is actually the basis of much of Chabad Hasidus comes from him. Most of uh, what how, what we know about Kabbalah and the Spheros and all those things come from him. And so the Arizal wrote extensively about all of the different Spheros, all of the different par- manifestations parts of God and like sort of like mapping them out on all levels, the highest levels, the lowest levels, all of those kind of things. And in his teaching, we find a teaching, which this is where it's going to get really questionable. We find this teaching about Moses, about Moshe Rabbeinu. And what is the teaching there? The teaching about Moshe Rabbeinu is all about Moshe's prophetic abilities and what Moshe was able to see and what able Moshe was not able to see on a spiritual level, what he was able to experience, what levels of godliness was Moshe able to experience. 
And what we'll actually learn is that Moshe, as great as he was, and he was considered to be the greatest prophet that ever lived and pretty much that like ever will live as far as I understand it, he actually was quite limited in his ability to see God. He, there, was, there was much of godliness that, he actually w- that actually was concealed from him um, and, and in terms of certain levels of godliness. So the obvious question comes up, which is the question of today's section, which is that if Moshe, who is um, the, the greatest prophet that ever lived, nobody could ever experience any anything greater, or anything more than Moshe, if he was limited in terms of his abilities, in terms of his spiritual capacities to be able to, in terms of what he was able to experience in terms of godliness, how then could the Arizal not only write about this, write about Moshe's limited experience, but write about things that are beyond Moshe's experience, write about those things that Moshe could not experience, talk Talking extensively about like these realms that were way above Moshe Rabbeinu's um, lived experience. Like, how could that be? Was the Arizal greater than Moshe? Was he a greater prophet than Moshe? We know that's not true because we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest prophet that ever lived. So how is it that the Arizal was able to speak about these things? What's going on? Were Did the capitalists have something that Moshe didn't have? Were they on some level higher than Moshe Rabbeinu? So we're not going to answer that question today. So uh, I apologize. We will, uh, we will get to the answer uh, tomorrow. We're going to start discussing the answer tomorrow. But, uh, but today we're really just going to delve into that question. So to get into that question and to begin today, we're going to get into the text. And uh, for context, we're going to be beginning Epistle 19 of Inigaris HaKodesh. And Epistle 19 of Inigaris HaKodesh begins with a citation. This is a citation from Tehillim, chapter 104, verse 2, which says, Oteo Kesalma which literally means he, meaning God, wraps himself with light as with a garment. And so we're talking about God in terms of light, wrapping himself in a, with light, like as if like God's garment, God's clothing is a light. So this epistle is going to talk about this. What does this mean that God wraps himself with a light as if it's clothing, uh, as one wraps themselves in clothing. That's kind of like the, the intro to all of this. Okay, now, the Arizal goes on, and he says that we find that in the Likute Torah of the Arizal, so of this Rav Yitzchak Luria, Rav Yitzchak Luria, one of his works was called Likute Torah, and that work was divided up in terms of the Parshas, the sections of the Torah that we read over the course of the year. So in the Parsha of Kitisa, as, as well as in the Parsha of Vayikra, in this Likutei Torah, it's written that the Orizal writes that the, the understanding that Moshe Rabbeinu of blessed memory had was not on the level of the inward aspect of supernal Chochmah, which is called Father of Atzillus, Abba of Atzillus. Okay, so it's a very lofty idea here. We don't have to really get too into detail about what these things mean, but basically you may be familiar with some of these terms already. So Chochmah, uh, right? Chochmah is very, very high up there. It's the first manifest sphera on a certain level. It's it's the sphera of we. It's, it um it corresponds to the intellectual capacity for intuition, that initial spark of insight, and so that level of Chochmah, supernal Chochmah, which is the the Chochmah that's found in the highest of all worlds, the world of Atsilis, is what's known as the Abba of Atsilis, the father of Atsilis. So the, the Arizal taught that Moshe Rabbeinu 
did not understand this level. He he it was beyond his understanding. This level of the inward aspect of the Chokhmah, the supernal Chokhmah was beyond in Attilus was beyond Moshe Rabbeinu's understanding. And so all the more so, so since we know that if if we're gonna say that that Moshe Rabbeinu did not understand this level of Chokhmah, so then for sure he did not understand the level of Keter, which is above Chokhmah. So Keter, again, is like, it's it's really, it's it's like above, it's, it's it can't, sometimes we say Chokhmah is the first sphere, sometimes we say Keter is the first sphere. We, I don't want to, it gets very confusing, I know, but like we spoke about this in previous times, that it depends on the vantage point that you're looking at it. So Chokhmah is sort of like the first like manifest sphere, it's the first intellectual sphere but keter is the one that comes from above it keter is, corresponds to the will and keter is also sometimes referred to as arich anpin which is the long face it's called and it's associated with will it's associated with desire and all of that and so if we say that Moshe Rabbeinu did not understand the inward aspect of the supernal chokhmah then for sure he didn't understand the aspect of the keter either because keter is above uh, chokhmah but rather, if so, then what did um, what did Moshe Rabbeinu understand? If he didn't understand the inward aspect of the supernal chokhmah, he understood the aspect, the external aspect of chokhmah, as it was vested within bina. So. I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. It could be useful for those of you that are not super familiar with these spheres to either Google kind of like an outline of the spheres or take notes along the way and kind of keep it clear in your head where these spheres are oriented and what they correspond to. So Chochmah, again, is that initial spark of insight, that intuition. And then Bina is the elaboration of that, the analysis, the elucidation, all of that. So that so the Chochmah becomes vested within the Bina. The, the Bina is, is the next sphere on it down on the ladder it's on the left side um higher up so so we're saying basically here that the that that Moshe understood the external aspect of Chochmah, so not the inner aspect of Chochmah, but he rather understood the external aspect of Chochmah, which was vested within Bina, which was vested within the seven lower spheres, which are, again, those seven Midos, and they're sometimes called Zer Anpin, the, the small face, the, the the small countenance. That's, that's what sometimes those seven lower spheres, which are associated with the emotive attributes, they're sometimes called the Zer Anpin. And this is how he understood the secrets of the Torah. And the altar goes on and he says that this supernal Chochmah actually flows down until the lower four spheres, which are that lo- those lower four spheres, the, if you've been following along, are Netzach, Hodi, Sodom, Malchus. Those are the lower four spheres. And that is, the, in this lower four spheres, that's where Moshe Rabbeinu's understanding came from and his prophecy came uh, became manifest in an inward way meaning in a way of inwardness and netzachod yesod emalchus so okay so let's just recap that so basically on a simple level so Moshe Rabbeinu so we have the ten spheres right and then we have Keter that's above the ten spheres so and and for each of the ten spheres there's the superficial external aspect of them and then there's the inward aspect of them so it's kind of like you know it's like just very yeah very, very superficially it's like what do you see on the outside and what's really going on on the inside so it's like you could see a person and you see them you see their face you see their features all that stuff but you really know them do you really know them in an inward way that's a different story right so we're learning here today that Moshe Rabbeinu 
his knowledge of the higher spheros was in a more superficial way. He did not understand supernal chokhmah in an inward way. Rather, he just knew it in a superficial way as that superficiality became vested within Bina, which became vested within the seven emotive spheros below it. And the only time, the, on the only level that, that Moshe Rabbeinu did get to have this like internal appreciation, this inward appreciation, was in the four lower spheros. But above, continues the Altarabah, above these four lower spheres, he didn't have any kind of internal understanding of it, any kind of um, deeper understanding, but rather he just understood it in this like backhanded way, the external aspect of Chochmah that was vested within Bina, that was vested uh, and um, and enclosed and, and flowed down into the inward aspect of the Netzachodisar Macho. So there, there is a connection between the spheres in the sense that the external aspect of a higher sphere becomes vested within the inward aspect of a lower sphere and so forth and so forth and so forth. And so basically, so the, the inward aspect of Netzachodisar Macho is coming from the superficial aspects of the spheres that are above it. But and that's the way that, that Moshe was able to experience the spheres was in a superficial way all the way just in terms of how they were able to be manifest within these lower spheres in an internal way. And the Ultra Rabbi says that this process by which Moshe Rabbeinu was able to experience this Chochmah, but, but only by way of it being enclosed in the inner aspect of Netzachot Yisar Malchus is what's known as the Novlot Chochmah Shelemala Torah. This is the, the Novlot, the, the like flowing down of the supernal Chochmah, which is Torah. On the level of Zer Anpin, which is uh, which is again the level of the um, the emotive attributes, and so uh, this is about this. This is why we see that in Shmot chapter thirty three verse twenty three, it says that you saw my backside and you did not see my face. So we see this right there in Chumash on a very simple level, like getting away from Kabbalah for a second. We see very clearly in Chumash it says that God tells Moshe that he that. Moshe can experience God's backside, but he will never see his face. And so now we understand Kabbalistically what this is referring to is that Moshe Rabbeinu was incapable of experiencing this inner aspect, which is called the face, panim in Hebrew, is also related to the word panimius, which means inwardness. That face of God, that inwardness of God on the level of the supernal chokhmah and the level of supernal keter, that was inaccessible to Moshe directly. The only way that he was able to access this chokhmah was the superficial external aspect of Chochmah as it was enclosed in Bina, as it was enclosed within the seven spheros, the seven lower spheros, and ultimately in an inward way in those lower four spheros. And the Altar Abbas says that you, uh, you can look this up more if you're curious about reading about this more. You can see look in the Shara HaNavuah of the Arizal uh, chapter 1. So one way, so if all this seems really abstract to you, so I'm going to just like veer away from the text for a little bit here to just kind of maybe bring this a little bit down to earth. What we mean by external chokhmah, inward chokhmah, all this stuff, whatever, is let's say you have a person, you have a, a, a woman or a man who is an architect and they're really, really, really smart person. Maybe this is a friend of yours, maybe a relative or something like that. They're brilliant. They're super brilliant. And it's, they're so smart that it's like you, you really can't really totally understand them. And you meet them and you're just like, you're, you're like baffled by their brilliance. And it's, you actually, you can like appreciate that this is a really smart person, but if they start getting into all the details of architecture and maybe they're into things that have nothing to do with architecture also, it's like, 
like it just goes above your head. You don't really understand what they're talking about. You can appreciate them superficially, but you can't really appreciate them in an inward way, right? So this would be sort of like being able to appreciate somebody, appreciate that external chokhmah, but not being able to appreciate the inward chokhmah. You can't really have a face-to-face deep conversation about the ins and outs of architecture because you're just not well-versed in it for the sake of this argument. I'm sure some of the listeners might be, but I'm I'm assuming, let's say, we're taking a scenario where the person listening is not. So now, okay, now what if you were with this architect, right? And the architect saw like you really just don't understand what they're saying. You don't, you can't grasp their intellect, at least not in a full deep way. But then let's say they show you some of the designs that they're working on, some of the blueprints of some buildings that they're working on. Most likely, again, if you are not an architect, and especially if these designs are super complex, maybe they have different codes on them and stuff like that, you can maybe appreciate the artistry of it. Maybe it looks really beautiful and you can see that there's something really deep there. But you're, again, you're not going to understand the ins and outs of it. You're not going to understand the inner depth of it all so that's that would be sort of like the example of like these these lower spheres the way the chokhmah becomes manifest within the bina and within the first few emotive attributes and all of that but then let's say that what this building was was actually a home for you it was your own personal home that this architect was designing to your specifications and now you were in that home and now you were there and you look around and you see the home And now you appreciate it because now you see that like, oh, wow, look, there's an elevator there that you really wanted. There's that, that, that kitchen with the, with the island in the middle that you really love. It's so beautiful and all these things. Now you can appreciate it in a really way, in a really internal way. So now you can really appreciate that architect, not just in a way of like from afar and sort of like just superficially, but you can actually have a very deep and inward appreciation for this architect and this appreciation you're having for the architect is is really truly for their mind it's it's for the wisdom that you were un, uh, unable to fully access before so you couldn't access it in a direct way you could only access it in a superficial way before but now that it's come down into this manifest physical world into the manifest physical home now you can appreciate that same intellect in a more direct and revealed and inward way so this is how we can kind of understand how this process works in terms of what Moshe Rabbeinu was able to grasp about God in, a, in an internal way and what he was unable to grasp about God in an external way. So there were certain levels of God where it just went over and above his head. He could appreciate it superficially, but not really inwardly. But on the lower levels of Netzach HaDiyasad Malchus, that is where he was able to appreciate this inward level of God, which really was coming from the intellect of God, right? Because where did the house come from? The house came from the mind of the architect after all, right? Okay, now back to our text. Hopefully that made things a little bit more accessible. Back to the text is now the altar is going to conclude the section here with a question, the question I brought up in the beginning. He says that if you you look in Devarim on chapter 34 verse 10 it says very clearly it says that there will never there never rose another prophet in Israel like Moshe Rabbeinu meaning to say Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest prophet that ever lived he there's nobody that was able to to experience godliness on a level that was higher than Moshe Rabbeinu so if this is the case, this is where our question comes up, and this is what we're left with. How is it that the Arizal understood more than Moshe Rabbeinu, and that he actually really elaborated and expounded upon many different things in a way of, of the internal aspects, even on the level of the spheros, many spheros above 
Chachma and Keter of Atzilus. So if you studied the teachings of the Arizal, not only does the Arizal get into the, the spheres that are above the Netzachodis uh, Malchus, that are the spheres of Chachma, the spheres of Keter, Atzilus, all that stuff. And he talks about them not just in a superficial way, but he actually talks about them in this really inward way, about the internal. It's like, he, it's like he's going into the architect's brain and he's breaking down what's going on in that architect's brain. And even things that are above Keter and above Atsilas. So how is that possible? If if no prophet was able to perceive and experience godliness uh, higher than Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu is like, he is it. Then how is it the Arizal was able to, to write about and teach about levels that Moshe Rabbeinu was not able to experience or to access? So that is our question that we're left with today. And um, stay tuned to be continued. That's kind of a cliffhanger for today. So stay tuned. And we are going to start to uncover um, an understanding of this tomorrow. And I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzchak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.